Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns. I'm a doctor of natural medicine specializing in the treatment of infertility via natural and integrative methods. I founded the Naturna Institute in New York City, where my team and I work with women and couples, often in collaboration with Western medical doctors, to guide the path to healthy conception. In this podcast, you'll learn all about your body and everything in the fertility landscape to help you realize your dream of baby. I'll be bringing you the best of advice from experts in the fields of both natural and conventional medicine, as well as the heartfelt and very helpful stories of brave fertility heroes on their path to baby. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for joining. Today, the topic is inflammation and how that might affect fertility. So there are a few things that we can discuss on this topic, and uh, what I really like to focus on is the things that you can control. So a lot of the things in our lives that cause inflammation have to do with what we're consuming. There's also the exposure to environmental toxins, there's autoimmune diseases, uh, there are medications that we're taking, maybe injuries that we've had. Uh, but you know, I see a lot of change in inflammatory markers and um, the effect that it has on fertility when we adapt our diet. So the real issue with inflammation has a lot to do with free radical damage. And free radical damage is essentially defined as unpaired electrons in the body that can result in health problems, including inflammatory disease. So free radicals are produced um, basically from an inflammatory response, and they can start to attack cells. So when you think of cells, you can think of egg cells, for example, or sperm cells, or maybe the um, cells of our uterine lining. And so when we have too much inflammation and the resulting free radical damage, that will start to break down and degenerate tissues. So then we're looking at uh, affecting egg quality, implantation, uh, embryo quality, which is obviously something that we really want to be taken care of when we're trying to get pregnant. So my ethos is to reduce the impact of inflammation and free radical damage by changing our diet and lifestyle. And so the focus of this is a little bit more on the dietary aspect of this. So the risks uh, again, are related to accelerated aging and degeneration, damage to egg cells, damage to sperm, um, speeds ovarian aging. So it's been associated with um, premature ovarian failure, for example, and it can cause um, a hostile uterine environment. Uh, it's really not good in um, conditions like endometriosis that already have inflammation associated with them. It can make the endometriosis progress and do more damage. Um, it aggravates pre-existing conditions like PCOS also. PCOS um, generally is a pro-inflammatory state and you be can become inflamed quite easily. Um, it'll increase pain if you have painful periods. It'll increase the immune response if you have autoimmune conditions or um, just kind of a sensitive immune system that may uh, affect your ability to get pregnant. And it also, an inflammatory environment or acidic environment raises the risk of bacteria and yeast overgrowth that can interfere with implantation and or maintaining a pregnancy. So I'm going to run through some of the inflammatory foods 
that would be more common for your body to have a reaction to. And a lot of people will say, well, like, I don't have a problem with that. And you may not know you have a problem with it because it's very subtle. So it's not like you have to get explosive diarrhea or, you know, be in pain all the time to uh, have a reaction to these foods. It could be really subtle things that could be making you tired or puffy or constipated or, um, you know, you have painful periods, or perhaps it's just really subtle and you're not getting pregnant and you don't know why. So I always suggest, um, that it might be a good idea to just cut these things out for a little while, do an elimination style diet, um, and then reintroduce them one by one and see what the effects are. Um, if you're really close to, um, doing a a transfer or, um, about to start your cycle, then my suggestion is to just, you know, eat a really clean diet, stay off them. Uh, and then, you know, see if maybe the results improve compared to what you've had before. So first one, you know, hot topic in today and very controversial gluten. So found in grains like wheat, barley, farro, semolina, rye, and malt, um, amongst other things, beer, uh, it's hidden in a lot of products and, You can swap it out for things like rice, quinoa, amaranth, buckwheat, paleo-type flour. So there are a lot of options of what you can do um, to not consume gluten. It's just, it's kind of like a mental hurdle for people to get over. But the the gluten molecule has been found to be more inflammatory for a lot of people, even if they're not found to be, have celiac. Uh, So, you know, you just have to try it out and see how it goes and see if you find some benefit from it. Uh, and the next one up is dairy products. So over 60% of the global population has lactose intolerance. This may have something to do with the pasteurization of the dairy and the fact that it's sitting on the shelf longer. Don't know exactly why there's such uh, intolerance that's so pervasive. Uh, but because that's the case, I see a lot of progressive clinics have people cut out dairy and then also cut out gluten. So these are really common things to cut out of the diet when we're worried about creating an immune response. And, you know, nowadays there are nut cheeses and nut and um, grain milks and things that you can do to replace them. Uh, and again, it's not that you have to have really pronounced digestive symptoms to tell you that you have a problem with this food. Um, I've seen with with uh, dairy that people People maybe just get a little puffy, tired, mucusy, um, and that's their reaction. And if you're worried about your calcium intake, dark leafy green vegetables, nuts, and seeds are an awesome source of that. Sugar, I've talked about this in other episodes, but sugar is highly inflammatory, um, and it also spikes your insulin, which we talked about in, in another episode, can be really bad for egg quality and for implantation. Um, they're we also want to be careful about artificial sweeteners like sucralose, aspartame, um, and anything ending in the OL. So the sugar alcohols, uh, and, and this is because it just confuses the body, the sugar, the, the, uh, fake sugars or those ones that, you know, are found in dietary plans. Those ones actually could be more detrimental to your fertility than, uh, the actual sugar itself. But I would say, you know, really lay off most or all of it and try to get your sugars from fruits. And if you need something even sweeter, maybe like a date or dried fruit and, uh, and really just try to stay away from the synthetic sugars. It's really, really detrimental in so many ways, not only to your fertility, but also to your mental and emotional health and energy and immunity. 
booze. Booze is not our friend when it comes to inflammation. It's highly acidic and and is toxic to the liver, but it also creates an environment where inflammation will thrive. Um, Some of that has to do with the fermentation of the alcohol, changing the gut bacteria. There are a few things involved. Uh, But my suggestion is to keep it to really a minimum and try, if you can, um, to just have really, really dry natural wines. If you're going to have any, have it in very small amount or uh, maybe try like a vodka or a tequila that don't have high sugars. Now, as I mentioned, I don't think any of them are a good idea, but if you're going to have some, then just maybe keep it to the lesser evils and very infrequently, like no weekend warrior situations and, and binge drinking. Uh, corn and soy are common allergen foods, um, and they're found as fillers in a lot of processed foods. So this is something that we run into a lot and And so just make sure to read the packages. Um, They're common allergens, so they cause, you know, things like subtle inflammatory responses, hives, itching, um, bloat, difficulty in digestion. Um, They can affect hormone levels like insulin or thyroid hormones. So, you know, if they creep into the diet here and there, it's not a big deal, but I just wouldn't have too many of them. Like I wouldn't make them a, a major focus in the diet. We will get right back to today's episode in just a sec, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you about an exciting new project that I have underway. So here it is. I get a lot of questions about what to eat and avoid when trying to get pregnant. Since so many of you are interested in optimizing your fertility via nutrition, I've created a very special course that teaches you the ins and outs of just that. It hasn't launched yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled from my course on fertility nutrition. Whether you are already undergoing IVF or just trying the old-fashioned way, my goal is to help give you all the nutritional tools you need to enhance your fertility and speed your path to baby. All right, let's jump back in. A larger category of foods that we want to just have our attention on are acid-forming foods. So a lot of the things I've already mentioned are acid-forming, alcohol uh, and sugar and um, dairy products and gluten are acid-forming. But if you look at an acid-alkaline diet, you'll see things like chocolate and caffeine and meat, for example, and then certain um, vegetables or fruits are going to be more acidic, like pineapple will be pretty acidic, for example or uh, mango and, and, and also higher in sugar. So um, I'm more focused on like the chocolate, the caffeine, the meats such as uh, beef that's not grass-fed or pork. And so it's not, again, like we can't have any of these things, but I would keep them to a minimum and really um, try to focus more on alkaline foods, lots of veggies, lots of fluids, um, and also on the way that you cook your food. Because Uh, Cooking at high temperatures or charring things is going to be more acidic, whereas cooking in water, steaming, light sauteing, that's going to be less acidic. You can drink alkaline water if you want, but I'm more focused on what you're consuming um, day-to-day otherwise that could be too acidic um, for your body. So alkaline water is nice and everything, but it's not going to cancel out the effects of the other things that you'd be having. Vegetable oils are something that we have to look out for and they come a lot in food, you know, that we're eating from outside. And so even if you're not cooking with them at home and you're ordering stuff from outside, 
you're going to be encountering some of the oils like peanut, soy, canola, sunflower, which tend to cause more inflammation in the body. Not only that, when they're when you cook with them at high heat, they become quite carcinogenic, um, so cancer causing and and start to uh, deteriorate the cells, cause free radical damage. So you really want to have your eye on what kind of oils are used. If I ever go to a restaurant or order, then I'm asking them to use olive oil or coconut oil. Um, ghee is also a good option. So just make sure that you know you're asking about the oil and that when you're at home, you're not tending to use those vegetable oils. So that is for the most part, the, the list of the more inflammatory things that we can consume. And, um, again, you don't have to be a hundred percent, but it's more that I'm sort of running through this list so that you will have an idea of the things that you're best off to avoid, um, or to reduce to a minimum. So you want to be eating like 80 to 90% of your diet in other categories. And then if this stuff creeps in here and there, it's not that big of a deal. But again, it does matter, you know, your underlying health. So um, if you have endometriosis, if you have a diagnosis of poor egg quality, um, premature ovarian failure, PCOS, then you may want to tighten up and be a little bit more strict if you're coming up on doing an IVF cycle or if you've been struggling for a while to get pregnant, um, you know, then you might want to kind of really try going full force for a little while just to give your body a chance to reset and clean out and and function more optimally so that you can achieve your dream of baby. I hope this was helpful. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, know that there are a lot of foods that you can eat and I will be dedicating another episode to fertility friendly foods so that you know that there's an entire list of things that you would be going for rather than just focusing on always avoiding. All right. Looking forward to talking to you next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I want to hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.